Hello, my name is Jeremy Harmon, and I serve on the creative and video team here at City Church. And I will be reading John 4, 4 through 14 today for y'all. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that boarded the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I'd give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw, draw with, and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I will give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an asting, spring, spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jeremy. Welcome. So we launched Streams in the Desert this morning. Before we jump in real quick, I got some special friends I want to introduce to you. Uh, Pastor Gibson and Liz Anduvate are here from International Christian Center in Nairobi, Kenya. Come on, stand up for us real quick. Let's honor them for a minute. Yes, amen. They pastored an incredible church there. Uh, they're incredible leaders. Uh, Gibson was in town speaking at ORU Chapel on Friday, and so we've got to spend some time together before they're headed back to, to Kenya later this week. So if you get the chance after service to meet them, um, pastoring just an incredible church there. We've been able to do some, some church planting things there in Kenya and also in Burundi, as you know, and so, so honored to have you guys with us. Uh, you may or may not remember this, but back in the fall of 2021, uh, we did a series called Streams in the Desert. Now, I don't know if you remember what was going on in 2021, but you were tired, worn out, and weary uh, because a lot of life had happened in the uh, year, year and a half before then. And so we did this series as kind of one of those series that says, we feel like we're walking through the desert. How do we learn to live drinking from the streams of life? And we rarely ever bring back a series so quickly and do it again, but it so deeply resonated with us during that time that we thought, you know what, let's, let's bring this back. And we just sang this song that the City Music team wrote this morning, but I actually want to read once again this liturgy, this prayer over you that we prayed all during this series, even when we did it two years ago. It says this, it says, Good Father, we confess we are burdened, weary, and dry. We have searched for life in the systems of death. We carry weights we were not created to carry. We run further into the desert. We are thirsty. Today we step in your invitation to rest. We join the flowers and the birds who do not worry or toil. We choose to live from your overflowing well of grace. We seek first your kingdom. As we draw near to you, would you draw near to us? As we step out of what is comfortable, will you meet us? Would you meet us in our community? Would you meet us in the spaces created for you? Jesus, wellspring of life, overflow into our dry and weary souls. Saturate us with your peace and presence as we plant ourselves by the streams of living water. 
I think there's probably this unanimous desire in each of us to live in this world, but to live at a different rhythm or a different pace as the world lives. I mean, that's a constant battle because we live in this world. We get sucked into the systems of this world. We start running faster and faster and faster and we, we distract ourselves and we know that we want to be at and live at a different pace, but often we don't know how to. And I think our life is like walking through a desert. I mean, think about the constant barrage every day of marketing and advertisement and things that you see even subconsciously just always coming through. A tough conversation that you have at work and knowing that there's a conflict that you have at home and future financial obligations that you're not sure how you're going to meet. Turn on the news for 10 seconds and you're gonna hear things of fear and division and brokenness all around us. Then we have the pull of our own just addictions and bad habits and vices. There's all things in our life that we probably said, I wish I could do that a little bit better or I wish I could change that or I wish it, it wasn't the way that it was. We carry that with us, not feeling well in our bodies, maybe a job that's less fulfilling. And I kind of think of it like we're all travelers, we're all journey, and we're all walking through the desert, but we're running out of water. You ever been there? You ever been like the hot air, the heat's like sucking the moisture out of your body, the sun relentlessly beating down on you, your throat is parched, your lips are cracked, you're covered in sand and dust, like you're so weary, you're just trying to put one foot in front of the next because you know if you stop moving, you may not start moving again. And we live that way emotionally, spiritually. Moving so fast, we just get in survival mode after a while. It's not where I really wanted to be. I wanted to be thriving, but sometimes you know you're just, you're just trying to survive. Moving so quickly and we don't even know where we're moving towards. I was in the airport a few weeks ago, and one of the airports is, is, is only places where you see like those moving walkways, like the moving sidewalks, right? Because everybody in an airport is in a hurry, right? Everybody. And so there's like three different kinds of people, you know, the people that don't even get on the walkway and they're just walking on the side because they just really don't care about life or they don't even know it's there, right? Maybe they're oblivious. You ever travel with somebody who's oblivious? Yeah, I hate those people, you know? <laughs> then you have the people that get on the walkway and stand because it's faster and you don't have to move, right? And so it's taking you somewhere. And then you have the people that are like walking and running on the walkway because they have a place to be, right? And I found myself doing that the other day, even though I had like a two hour like time between my flights. I'm like, why am I such in a hurry? Because you're at an airport, I'm just supposed to be in a hurry, you know? It's like, you're just supposed to get there quickly so you can wait a little bit longer. And I think we live life that way. It's so easy. I just wanna get there as fast as I can. And when we're not moving fast, you know what we do? We distract ourselves with other things. Jesus knows the reality of living in this world, and yet Jesus continually invites us into a different way of living. Look at the invitations from Jesus over and over again, right? It, my, my yoke isn't hard. It's, it, it's not heavy. It's easy. It's light. I want, I want to invite you into this different way of living, a different pace, a different rhythm, a, a different way. And the great thing about this, Jesus doesn't just talk about it, does he? He doesn't just teach about it. He embodies it. He examples it. He shows us what it means to live this way. Uh, this is one of those parts I think sometimes like we know the stories of Jesus or we've been around it, but when you read the life of Jesus, there are times where Jesus worked hard and he's overwhelmed with life and he looks out and the crowd wants more of his time. You know what he does sometimes? 
I have compassion on them because I'm sheep. They're like sheep without a shepherd. I'm going to stick around and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to teach some more and be with them. You know what he does other time? He gets in a boat and he goes on the other side because he realizes he has nothing left to give. Like we need to learn from both of those things. Like it's okay to work hard, right? But you better know how to retreat. You better know how to get away. Jesus knew in his humanity that I don't have endless amounts of energy emotionally, spiritually to give. If I don't retreat and get away with the Father, if I don't spend time alone, I cannot minister and live as God has called me to live. And Jesus invites us into that life. In this series, uh, my hope and prayer is that we learn to drink deeply from the stream of life that Jesus offers us as you and I walk through the desert of this world because walking through this world is a desert, isn't it? There's no way around that. Walking through this world will suck the life out of you. And we as followers of Jesus, if we're not drinking deeply from the streams of living water, how do you and I live a life of overflowing in this world? We don't, do we? We get sucked into the fray and we get sucked in just to the everyday and we lose our way and we start living empty instead of living from a place of overflow. Over the next several weeks, we're gonna talk about what it means to drink deeply from these wells. We're gonna talk about things like wonder and mundane and slowing down and, and hunger and thirst and sorrow, the places that we learn to drink deeply from the wells that Christ is offering us. Today, I wanna to start with thirst. I wanna start here. I think we're all thirsty to some degree. The story of of John chapter four of this woman at the well, this is a story about a woman who is thirsty, right? She was living in this desert of a life, this endless search to find meaning. And how many know when you're living in a desert, you will drink from whatever well comes your way. I'll drink from whatever well because I'm so thirsty, I would rather fill my stomach with something because of the pain than, than go just empty. And that's what this woman was living like. For this woman, it seemed to be maybe marriages, relationships, or sexual encounter. Pastor Rachel actually, incredible message back in January or February, where she talked about, sometimes we assume that she was sexually promiscuous, that's why she had five husbands, but who's to say she wasn't barren? Who's to say her husband didn't pass away? But whatever the case may have been, it seemed to be a lot of shame around her life. That's why she's there that day at this time alone. There was shame around her. Now, the irony of John chapter four, as we read it, is that Jesus is tired and thirsty because Jesus has been walking through the desert on this long journey. He stops at this well. The woman is tired and thirsty from her life and her choices. When Jesus asks for water, she assumes that she has something that he needs, right? But little does she know that the man who is thirsty actually has something that she needs. That's the irony of the passage that we get in John chapter four. In fact, if you're taking notes and following along, the woman had buckets of water in front of her, and yet her soul was a desolate wasteland. How many know you can have water right in front of you physically and your soul be dying inside? Everything can look good on the outside. You've got everything you need. You know, you've got the perfect life. You've got everything everybody else wants, the family, the kids, the car, the house, and your soul can be dying, can it? Like it can be shriveling up. Jesus was thirsty from his long journey, and yet he was an endless well of living water. Things are not as they seem in John chapter four, are they? Now there's important elements to point out in the story. Jesus is obviously, he's male, he's single, and he's Jewish. 
Three strikes against him why he shouldn't be sitting at the well that day with a woman, a Samaritan woman. A Samaritan woman who has a reputation. A lot of reasons why he shouldn't be here. We could go deep into this, but there is a lot of background on why Jews and Samaritans hated each other. The prejudice ran deep from race and religion. Think about it, there, there was such a deep prejudice that they would often walk miles out of the way, days out of the way, rather than to walk through Samaria. They wanted to avoid Samaritans that badly. I would rather add three extra days onto my journey if I don't have to walk through you and see your face. That's why when we get to this parable, when Jesus says the good Samaritan, that's why everybody's offended because please make it anybody but a Samaritan. The prejudice was deep. In fact, I think about it, the times that I've been to Israel, we've taken trips to Israel, and I cross over the border into like Bethlehem, into Palestinian territory, into the West Bank. It's, it's the Jewish people and the Palestinian people, the Arabs, have actually learned to coexist without ever crossing paths. They don't like each other, right? They're, they're different in a lot of ways. And so you look at the hilltops, and it's a Jewish settlement, and in every valley there's a Palestinian village, and they've literally learned to live in the same space without interacting. Jews and Samaritans this, th during this time, they had learned how to do that. There was this deep distaste for one another. That's why this passage becomes even more powerful because even the disciples who had walked with Jesus for a considerable amount of time, they come back from the town with all of their stuff and they look at Jesus and the text says they're surprised and shocked. You would think if you lived around Jesus long enough, you'd stop being surprised because he did these things like daily. But it's like, really? Like you're alone here at the well talking to her? We kind of lose that in our context. But imagine this. <clears throat> Jesus sits down by the well. The Greek word here for well is actually a free-flowing spring. So don't think just a well that's dug in the hole where you put some water. No, actually what they would do in the ancient times, really smart, is they would dig their well next to a spring so the spring was always feeding the well. There was this continual water flowing in, fresh water overflowing, and they would often put this stone top on place so things wouldn't fall into the well. And here this woman and Jesus sit. And I know Jeremy just read this a second ago, but I want to do something a little bit different this morning. I want you to close your eyes right where you're at. And I'm going to read these two verses over us twice. And I want you to go back 2,000 years, and I want you to put yourself at the well. I want you to put yourself in that moment. A woman desperate, crying out. And here this man who claims to be the Messiah, sits down next to her. She's thirsty. And Jesus in verse 13 says this, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. I want to keep, keep your eyes closed for another second. I want to read it over, one, over you one more time. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants to point out a certain phrase or a certain word for you this morning. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up 
to eternal life. You can open your eyes. Welling up to eternal life. There were two questions this woman was going to need to answer. Will she understand and accept who is actually standing right in front of her that day? And number two, will she ask for a drink? Will she understand who Jesus is and will she ask for a drink of water? Because she's been thirsty her entire life. There's six of us in our family, four kids. We go to a lot of sporting events. How many know when you go to a sporting event, every bottle of water you buy is like $8? If I bought six bottles of water for our family, there's no way I'm gonna pay $50 for water. It's just not gonna happen. So like we go to sporting events all the time. Uh, our kids are competing. So like a couple weeks ago, we're at the OUTU game here in, here in Tulsa. It's hot that day. The kids are thirsty. So I go back and I'm like, can I, can I get one bottle of water and, and maybe all of us take a drink? And so I splurged and got two bottles of water for all six of us. And so me, Jude, and Sophie had a bottle of water. Lindsay, Jackson, and Selah have a bottle of water. Everybody's thirsty. How many know when you have small kids, nobody drinks after anybody? Everybody's got something all the time. And so in order to survive, you don't drink after each other. It's just kind of a thing. And so like we waterfall the water. And so Jude's like, I'm so thirsty that I'm dying. And I'm like, yeah, you know, tilt your head back. And so I waterfall a little bit in there. And he's like, oh, that was good. Give me some more. And I'm like, nope, that's it. He's like, what do you mean that's it? And I said, bro, I'm just trying to keep you alive. This is not to quench your thirst. This is so you don't pass out. This is a four-hour game, and we've got 16 ounces here for the three of us. You get this much, <laughs> right? Dad's not buying another $8 bottle of water. It's just not happening, right? That's how we roll in the Nelson household. This is the picture I get of this woman. She'd had a drink here or there her whole life but nothing to satisfy. And, and you get caught, and, and, and we don't say this to her like she's out of the ordinary because you and I live the same way. We get caught in these cycles, don't we? We start repeating the same patterns and we're like, why do I do that? I've been there and I know that doesn't satisfy the deepest longings of my soul, but when I get thirsty, I get drawn back to that well. And I start drinking from that well knowing this well will not satisfy, but for whatever reason, I keep drinking from it. And here is Christ in front of us as followers of Jesus, inviting us to drink from his well, and so much of us are so busy and we're so distracted, we just keep going down the road and we're like, maybe another time. Maybe another time. I've never seen somebody in my life, you know, sit at their house and doom scroll on social media for two hours and then get done being like, you know what, I just feel more fulfilled in life. But we do it, don't we? Because it's distraction, it's mindless, it's just something that we do. We don't even think about it anymore. I've walked with hundreds of men through pornography addiction. Never once have I ever met a man who's like, yeah, man, I, you know, just after I struggle with pornography, I just, I just think to myself, that was really, that just really fulfilled my soul. It never fulfills. And yet it's this system that we feel stuck in, with a cycle of death that we just repeat because the pain of getting out of that cycle is hard, isn't it? I don't know if I want to even put the effort of like breaking that down, so I just, I just keep doing it over and over again. This is the picture that I get of this woman this day as well. She's so thirsty and she's so tired of drinking from the same well 
And she just keeps back to to these systems and cycles of death. And Jesus says, I actually want to overflow. I want to well up and overflow into your life. I don't want to just give you a little bit, right? I want to give you more than you've ever had. So much that you'll never thirst again. You'll never search again. You won't want anything else. I I talk about this pretty often. I I grew up... um, Man, like fourth, fifth generation Pentecostal charismatic church. My great-grandfather was a Pentecostal minister. My grandfather was a Pentecostal minister. As a little kid, uh, my grandfather pastored in Assemblies of God Church in uh, Oklahoma City before he passed away of brain cancer. And I just remember as a kid, I played in the church. Like, that was my playground. So running up and down the pews, and it had like a little balcony and all the backstage stuff. I mean, that's just, my grandparents literally lived in a parsonage behind the church, and so that's where I played. And I grew up in that environment. How many know when you grow up in an environment like a Pentecostal environment like that, some of you will be nodding your head because you grew up in this, there's a lot you have to deconstruct and try to figure out because there's some weird stuff that happens, right? (laughs) Do you know what else happened? I experienced the presence of God on a regular basis even as a kid, as a teenager. I remember moments of my life sitting there and the presence of God would be so heavy in a room that I didn't want to leave. And I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but there's nothing like it. I think it's a little bitty taste of heaven where it's almost like Jesus pours a little bit of water and he says, this is just a taste of what you're gonna get forever, right? Like the manifest presence of God. June 23rd, 1998 is a day that changed my life forever. I, I just gave Jesus everything that day. I felt his presence so strong in my life I was at youth camp and everybody else left and I could not move from that, that spot and I didn't want to. In fact, if I didn't have to go back to my bunks, if, no, if somebody had didn't make me because I was at camp, I would have sat there all night. Because the presence of God was so heavy. And when you're in the presence of God, let me tell you when, you, when you experience the presence of God like that, every fear, every anxiety, every worry, every thought of what you need to do is gone. All you know is that God is here in this moment and I don't want to move from this place. Like, that's why even this Thursday night is midweek. Midweek's the best thing we do around here. For an hour, hour and a half, just cultivating an environment where we sit in the presence of God. And you have to practice it. And just because you, you have an experience or you come to midweek doesn't mean that always God moves in the same ways. But let me tell you, you put yourself in enough places like this, how many know it will happen? Like God will show up and God will move. And I think about those moments in my life where it's almost like you're so weary and you're so dry and you're so searching in those moments of God's presence, it's, it's just like water pouring over you. And you're like, this is what I was made for. This is what my soul has been longing for. Doesn't it make sense that in those moments we're longing for the place that God's made for us for eternity? Doesn't that just make sense? Like we're not home, are we? Because our hearts are restless and we struggle. And right now, even like there's just struggle right now in your life and different things. And one day we get to be home where there's no struggle, where we're not thirsty anymore, we're not hungry where the well of Jesus is continual in our life. How many know Jesus doesn't want to just quench your thirst? He wants to overflow in you. This is a theme in the Gospel of John. 
where we get this passage of the woman of the well. You go back a few chapters earlier in John chapter two, I don't know if you remember this story, Jesus' first miracle, the wedding at Cana. Anybody remember that story? They're the big wedding feast and they'd run out of wine, which is a big deal on that day. Mary looks over to her son Jesus and says, Jesus, do something. And he's like, why are you asking me to do something? Not my party. And it's not my time yet. Mary says, just do whatever he says. Jesus says, I want you to go get these ceremonial pots and I want you to fill them to overflowing. Go and just fill them to the brim. And they come back and taste the water and the water was now wine. Not only it was wine, but the best wine they've ever tasted. How many know Jesus wants to overflow into our life? He doesn't want to just give you a little bit. Like He wants to overflow with the best in your life. That's John chapter two. We read from John chapter four. If we go to John chapter six, Jesus is feeding the multitudes with a couple pieces of bread and some fish. In verse 35 of John six, John says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not be hungry and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Do you see the theme in John? John's trying to get us to understand Jesus is this wellspring of life. Jesus wants to overflow. You've been searching for life and meaning and now you get to stop searching. You get to stop endlessly wandering through the desert. There's one more really good example in John chapter seven. Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. This Feast of Tabernacles was a time, it was a celebration where the people of Israel the Jews would stop and they would remember what God did in the wilderness in the book of Exodus. So that every year they would stop. There was a spring of Gahon in, in outside Jerusalem and this spring would come into the city of Jerusalem and it would uh, stop at the pool of Siloam. So when they would celebrate this festival, the high priest would leave the temple, he would go down to the pool of Siloam, he would fill this big pitcher of water and he would bring it back to the, to the temple. As he was bringing it back to the temple, the people of God would be all around him and they would be quoting Isaiah 12, 3, which says, therefore with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. So imagine in your mind, here is this high priest and he grabs this water from the pool of Siloam and he pours it upon the altar. And as he's pouring it on the altar, the Jews are remembering that thousands of years ago when they were in Exodus, right? when they were in the wilderness, that God brought water from a rock. It was their salvation. Can you imagine hundreds of thousands, if not a million people in the wilderness without water, they would all die. But Jesus miraculously, excuse me, God miraculously brought water from the rock that saved them. So here is Jesus in the midst of this in John chapter seven. I'm gonna read this to you. Imagine the high priest doing this. Imagine Jesus walking up in verse 37 saying this. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. John chapter two, Jesus overflowing in new wine. John chapter four, here's the woman at the well. I wanna well up in your life into eternal life. 
John chapter 6, Jesus saying, all who are hungry, all who are thirsty, come to me. John chapter 7, Jesus once again, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. See, I think the question you and I have to ask us this morning, it's not if we are drinking from a well, it's which wells are we drinking from. Here's two questions I want to ask you. Could it be that we don't hunger and thirst for Jesus because we're drinking from all of the wrong wells? I think there's probably some of us in the room, if you're really honest with yourself, you're like, you know what? I want to hunger and thirst for more of Jesus, but I don't. I want to want to. (laughs) And I can't help but thinking sometimes, are we not hungry and thirsty for the things of God because we're drinking from all of the wrong wells? Whatever well comes our way. We're filling ourselves on things that don't satisfy. Like how many know when you're thirsty, you can drink something for that, that, that feeling in your stomach to leave and it can actually make you worse, right? Like you can be trying to satisfy yourself on something that can't. What wells are you drawing from? What are the wells I'm drinking from when I'm lonely, when I'm angry? when I'm bored, when I'm tired, when I'm stressed? Like, what's your go-to? Let me tell you, I'm not here to, to make anybody feel bad because how many know we all have things that we, in our life that we would change? But there are things that you go to, maybe constructive things and maybe destructive things. What do you lean on? You know, when I get overwhelmed by life, I, I, just, I, I get into this mode where I just wanna eat everything imaginable. I just need all my comfort foods at one time, right? I just wanna go and I wanna watch like 18 hours of Gossip Girl or whatever your thing is. I don't know, that's not my thing. I, honestly, I've never even seen that show and I don't know where that came from. Came from some deep well inside of me. The Bachelorette, I don't know what your thing is. I'm just gonna say all the shows that I don't watch. We all run to something, don't we? It's just the reality. And we could all list the things that we run to, the wells that we drink from. Some of them we know we're stuck in this cycle of death. We know that like, man, I would do anything to break out of that. I I just don't know how. Or maybe the pain of breaking out of it. What wells are you drinking from? Let me give us these three things as we wrap this up this morning. How do we access living water? These are simple, simple things. Number one, we come to Jesus. We have to come to Jesus. The only thing that can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. Do you even realize you're thirsty? Because how many know if you're just running the rat race of life and you're just going fast and distracted, you may not even realize the hunger and thirst that you live with every day. You know what I've learned as a pastor? When people walk through brokenness, all of a sudden they realize how thirsty they've been living. And I've been living so thirsty for so long and I don't wanna do this anymore. You come to Jesus, number two, you believe in Jesus. Sounds simple, right? You have to believe in Jesus. The woman at the well that day has to make a decision. Am I gonna cross over just from understanding who this man is, but to believing in who he is? Am I gonna drink deeply from this well? So in the Gospel of John, there's a major theme, and the themes are light and dark. It shows up all throughout the Gospel of John. 
So there's a reason in John chapter 3, when does Nicodemus, the teacher of the law, show up? He shows up at night because he's in the dark. And he's asking questions about God, but he's not moving over from questions and doubt to belief. And we don't ultimately know what happens with Nicodemus. When does this woman at the well show up? When's this story with Jesus? It says at noon, midday. The woman's in the light. She's ready to lay everything out there. I, I, I just think there's a level of desperation about her life. I'm sick of this. I've had five husbands. I'm sitting out here at the well at noon because I don't wanna be out here when anybody else is out here. Nobody went to the well at noon. It's the hottest part of the day. There was plenty of other time where the women would go draw water from the well. She went at noon because nobody else would be there at noon. There was shame that followed her. She lived in probably this cycle of shame and every time somebody saw her and walked by, guess what? They just reinforced that you're not good enough. And I think there was some desperation in her that day. I am sick of this. I am sick of drinking from this well and ending up thirsty again. Number three, the invitation is this, to abide in Jesus. This is where John is going in his gospel. He wants to show us the glory and the wonders of Jesus, but ultimately in John chapter 15, he gives us the words of Jesus. It says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. That means how many know we can't experience the well one time and be good for our life, can we? We are living in a desert, which means you have to draw from the well of Christ every day. Every day. Every day. I don't care how spiritual you are or good you are. I have seen God move in incredible and miraculous ways at City Church, right? And then Pastor Matt, I park right back here. I'll get in my car and pull out there and somebody pulls out in front of me and I'm in the flesh like that. Come on now. You been there? I gotta draw daily from the well of living water. Weekly. What are the practices? What are the rhythms of drinking daily from that well? You have to, have to, have to cultivate a life of prayer. You have to cultivate a life of prayer. This is not a guilt trip. It's not, I promise. I want you to develop a, a cultivate and life of prayer in your life. We have pre-service prayer every Sunday morning at 8.30. There's a handful of people. Midweek is this Thursday night. It's not our most widely attended event. It should be. It should be the one thing every month on your calendar that you don't miss. From the, in this series, we are opening up this place for prayer every morning during our office hours from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., Monday through Thursday. You can walk into this room anytime. And if you, if you don't know, um, with the screen on, with like something like this, and we put some things on the side, like this is a really good place to pray. I'm just telling you. Like our staff is always in here because this is a sanctuary where the Spirit of God resides. You have to develop a life of prayer. And that could be on your car ride in the morning. You're praying like just God sitting in the passenger seat. Hey, Jesus, glad to see you today. Talk to him like your best friend. Drink deeply from the wells of life. Develop rhythms and practices 
Because here's the thing about it. He wants to well up to overflowing in your life, amen? He doesn't want to give you just a drop. He wants to well up to overflowing. Would you stand to your feet with me across this room? We're going to prepare ourselves this morning to come to the table. After we do that, we're going to sing another worship song together. Here's my challenge for you in the next 10 to 15 minutes that we have. Please don't be distracted about where you need to go next, what you need to do, if your team's playing or not. They're probably losing. It doesn't matter. You'll check it out later. Be fully here for the next few minutes and make this your prayer. God, I hunger and thirst for you more than anything else. I want you to well up to overflowing today in my life. Holy Spirit, would you well up today? God, there are some people in this room, they have been living dry and empty for so long. It has been so long since they felt your presence. Maybe people in this room who have never experienced your presence. And today you wanna to be like this pitcher of water and you just wanna pour it out over overflow into them. Not just halfway, but like over the top where it's spilling over. Because we're sick of drinking from the wells of this world. They suck. They don't satisfy. They leave us thirsty. So Father, this morning, as the people of God, we are just confessing that we wanna drink deeply from your well. God, I wanna drink deeply from your well. God, I wanna experience just a fresh move of you in my heart, in my life. I'm not satisfied with the same old things. I don't wanna go through the motions. I don't wanna go back to the wells of this world. God, I wanna drink deeply from you today. God, would you meet us in this space? Meet us here, Father, as we come to the table and as we worship you. God, we hunger and thirst for the living God. Move in us today. City Church, if you would, just prepare your heart to receive the body and the blood this morning.